0: podcast, Happy and Single. I'm your host, Joseph Anderson, and we are doing something different today. We're starting a new segment, and the segment's called What I Wish I'd Known When I Was Single. And what this is really about is finding, helping people find hope and happiness through the stories of other people. The other day, I was sitting around, and, and I was thinking what would be really cool is getting people on that have shared their stories about how they've I don't want to say made it through being single, but but how they've but how they've made it through being single and how they also navigated. (laughs) (laughs) So my my guest today is my my good and dear friend Jennifer Sterling. And I'm I'm so grateful to have her aboard and appreciate her agreeing to this. I want to just give her a moment to you know share share a little bit about her.
1: All right. So, I, I'm again, I'm Jennifer Sterling, um, Jennifer Sterling Campbell now. Um, haven't officially changed my name yet. It's just, it's too much of a pain. <laughs> just don't want to do that quite yet. <laughs> but um, got married last year, exactly a year ago, actually. I, I work at a botanical garden. I do social media for a client. I work uh, for Lindsay Sterling, doing our sheet music. I've been divorced twice, actually. And I, I run a blog and I'm developing a program for people who want to overcome depression because I actually struggled like very, very, very badly with depression from the time I was a little kid till about 25 years old when I finally started finding solutions. And, and that was a, a miracle in itself, whole different story. But um, I, my hope is that I can share what I've learned, what what worked for me and so that it may work for them too because I don't want people to have to suffer any longer than necessary. <laughs> and suffer, because suffering is not what this world is about. I think too many people, especially in the church, think if I I endure to the end, if I just suffer through it, I'm going to get rewarded, and and that is not the case. The case is actually the opposite. You want to find joy in this life. That's what this life is about, is learning to have joy despite your circumstances, and a life of joy, where occasionally circumstances may knock you off a little bit. You'll have to find, find your way back, right? You know, you go through a stressful time, but it shouldn't be always stressful with a little bit of in between. It should be like generally pretty happy life. And I lived a long time just believing oh, I just got to suffer and endure, endure to the end. And and that is not the purpose of life. It is not to endure. It is not to suffer. It is to have joy. And I know that Joseph is one of those people who's found ways to have joy as well. And, and I surrounded myself with as many of those kinds of people as I can. And I'm grateful to have Uh, Joseph in my life, for sure. He's an amazing person, so I'm grateful to be here.
0: I I just love that. that, (laughs) The like Well, you know, it is, and, like, for so much of my life, too, I mean, I never would have called it depressed, like, per se. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but for me it was really just feeling this pressure, like that I had to be married in order to be happy. That if I wasn't Mm -hmm. married, I was not allowed to be happy. And if I'm being really honest, hopefully I don't get like, you know, thrown under the bus for saying this, but for a long time, like, you know, especially since you and I both belong to the same faith, our church was all about get married, get married, get married, get married. It was, only a, it was only just a few weeks ago they finally came out and said, hey, guys, we just want to let you know the majority of adults in the church happen to also be just like you. They happen to be single. <laughs> <laughs> but for so many years, it was like, Christ. yeah, it was like for so many years it was washed under the rug. It was like just. No, that doesn't exist. We're a family church. And and it's not saying bad about the church for sure. I think just some people, when they have a different experience of life, it's really hard to relate with other people. When when somebody's Or
1: you think that it or you think that it's you kind of oust yourself. Like you think, oh I, I can't be part of that group either. I don't I can't, I don't have the same things in common with them. They wouldn't understand when, when maybe maybe they would. <laughs> You know, but you think, oh, I'm not married or I don't have kids. I just can't relate. And I, I, it does, I don't know that that's true. I think we often do that to ourselves.
0: Well, and I think you're right. I think the second that something doesn't look like it fits in what we believe our world to be, it's like, oh, that's not for me. I don't want to deal with that. I got, I got all this important stuff, my own family and all these other things to deal with. I, I can't worry about that little single person. Like, I mean, that's honestly, there are times I felt that way. And it's like, I don't know, especially with just the, the straight, the, all the stuff going on in the world and I don't know, just like, you can't, you can't just go up and hug somebody's kid anymore. Like it's just, it's, yeah, it's
1: true. Yeah.
0: Like, we're whereas <laughs> It, it before, can be a lonely
1: place. I, I think that that's yeah. Satan's greatest tools making us feel like we're alone regardless. I mean, I cannot tell you I, I felt more alone when I was married for 10 years than I did when I was single. I mean, picture that. It, it's just people who of all walks of life who may seem like they're doing fine. So many people out there are lonely. They feel alone, they don't feel understood. And and it's just, I think that feeling of needing to be understood consumes a lot of people. Uh, you know, surprise, we, we don't need to be understood. And I think when we when we let that go, that no one needs to understand me and I can be fine with that. <laughs> I can be totally happy when, you, when, when I was able to let that go. Like so much relief, like just lifted off. You don't, um, when you don't care what people think anymore. And I, and I think when we care too much about what people think, are we really being ourselves or are we being manipulated? by our own concern of what other people think and acting accordingly of what we think we should be or should be doing. And that is not cohesive with, or that's not helpful in trying to find a mate that's compatible with you. (laughs) If you're constantly pretending or being manipulated by the forces outside of you that are not allowing you to be
0: authentic. Well, and say more to that about how you got to a place, because you said roughly around the time that you were Tell you were twenty five that you felt fairly depressed, and I think there's quite a few people that are single that are lonely, that kind of are in that case. Like, what do you know now, or what did you even discover at the age of twenty five that you really realized that you could, that you didn't have to be depressed all the time? Like, what was it that did it for you? If if there was, if there was well, a particular was, thing
1: there were several like feeling bad, the onion <laughs> moments, but I think that the first kind of initial like jump start that made me realize, Oh my gosh, there's hope. Like, I don't have to be depressed forever was when my mom went to the doctor and reported back to me after her visit with him. Cause she was taking Prozac. I was taking Prozac, right. I've been taking it for about 10 years. And it kept me under wraps. It kept me in control. So I wasn't exploding all the time. I was kind of a mess. And, uh, she told me that, Hey, I, I went to the doctor and talked with him. And he told me that long-term side effects of antidepressants is that, you know, if you take them for years and years and years, you start to kind of just get lackadaisical, not want to do anything and basically just turn into a couch potato. And I was like, Ugh, like, no way. I'm not signing up for that. And, and I was, I was kind of at a loss because I tried Many, many times to get off of it, try different things, affirmations, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all the things I knew how to do and nothing worked. So I just complete uh, uh, despair for a moment. So I, I literally threw up my hands after getting off the phone with her. And I said, God, you made me. You know how to fix me. So fix me. I'm done. I'm not going to take these drugs for the rest of my life. Show me how to do it because I don't know what to do. And I went on with my life and uh, about a month later, I was at a wedding. I didn't want to be at just, you know, just was <laughs> having to be there. I was kind of drug into it. Okay. I'll go. The family and the TV was on before the wedding started and I never watched TV, but I was watching it and waiting for the wedding to begin. And this guy was on the screen talking about Omega threes and how good they are for you. And just kind of offhandedly said, you know, in Greenland, it's one of the darkest places on earth. And yet the people there have some of the least incidents of depression in the world. And I think it's because they eat so much fish. And in my mind at the time, I thought, well, hmm, sounds healthy, but I'm sure it's not gonna work for me. Nothing has ever worked for me. Uh, Tried fish oil, meh, didn't work. So I'll do it anyway though. Sounds sounds like something that wouldn't hurt. So for about three months, I was taking these fish three times a week. And month three came around, I forgot, forgot to go get my medication and by day five by by day three I should have been a mess it was day five of having not taken anything and I suddenly realized that oh I need to go get my medication and I started getting ready and then stopped for a minute and thought wait I sat down and I was just like oh my goodness like I'm okay like I'm okay like I'm not just okay like I feel pretty good and I never went back I never got it but just I the bottom line was that I had been trying to fix this problem myself. And I thought that the harder I try, certainly God will reward me by my efforts. You know, my my I want to fix this and I have to do it. I have to try. I have to put it you know by my by their works, right? And I realized that no, it's completely realizing and admitting you can't fix it. You can't. Only God can. And when you release it and you say I can't do it I can't. And then you allow him to fix it, like fully believing I was like, he's gonna fix it, he has to, or like I have no other hope. When I got to that point, I just I stopped trying. and not not trying, but it was like this this wall was just obliterated. And all I had to do at that point was just start walking forward. And I didn't hit the wall anymore. All I had to do was try not to trip over the rubble that was left over. And that's literally how it felt. And then at that point I was like, okay, like. What more can I do? What more can I do? Because I wasn't fixed. Like my depression wasn't completely gone. I just could function without the medication. And then at that point, I was like, okay, now there's work to do. Like I, I, I want to find out more. I want to find out how to in, improve on this. And I've started seeking out. And the Lord sent me all the people I needed, the life coaches, the the change in diet. And, and it, was, it was hard. I'm not saying it was easy by any means. Some of the hardest things came after that. But it was that willingness to turn it over and be like, okay, fix it, because like I'll follow suit, like I'll go where you want me to go. But yeah. my answers are not working. The doctors I'm going to, completely useless. Like it's you know counseling, eh. you know it's just it's not that it's bad, but it's like treading water. It's like it's not you're you're getting tired, and eventually you, you drown. Like if you don't have a lifeboat to come get you. Like, treading water is great, you know, reading scriptures, praying, all those things that the church teaches. It's good, they're all good, but it wasn't making me happy. And it's because I wasn't understanding what the atonement is really all about, how it works, and how to apply those things, and allowing God to you know, that oneness of, of knowing and being, and and not trying to force things to control everything, the control, releasing that control. So I think. And and that was the same thing that happened to me before I got married was releasing that control and stop trying to make it happen myself and trying to, you know, do all these things. Or if I, maybe I could do this, if I do that, or I change this, it, it was just like, okay, like, you know what I need, fix it. <laughs> like the same well, thing, you know, and, when and I finally release that.
0: And, and real quick, before you, before you jump to the story of how, of how you met your, current spouse there's something i heard in that and i was actually reading this morning in the scriptures in uh in the book of mormon that part about nephi asking god to let him be strong and burst these bounds and and all he did is it says and he loosed the bounds he he didn't he didn't let him have that mighty (laughs) moment of strength of like i am the hulk he must have read about
1: samson and Delilah.
0: like he he didn't let him experience that instead he's like oh okay cool they're off yeah. i wonder if even like a small part of him was like no i wanted to do this i wanted to be strong i wanted to be like the hulk and just rip him off and <laughs> and, and i think so often we want to do that it's it's the ego it's that part of us that he didn't just say let me loose these bounds, let me burst these bounds. Like
1: well, it's part of that identity. Like, I'm a strong guy. I want to prove myself. I wanna, and that was the, a big problem. One of the biggest problems that I had, and I dated a lot, a lot of different people, a lot of the same guy over and over again, just with a different face. And um ultimately well, say say more,
0: say more what you mean about that. Same guy, different face, just so people understand. Just
1: I kept attracting the same. In, you know, you kind of attract what you are. You attract what you what you believe you deserve. So if you feel like you deserve, you don't deserve a great person, or you're, or you you set your standards here because you're like, well, if I'm older. I probably can't get a guy that's better than this. I should, it shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't expect too much. Then that's what you're gonna get, and that's what you're gonna accept, and that's what you know. It was just they, they would, they were all selfish. I mean, just they, they didn't have the same level of commitment that I was wanting. You know, I was. Committed, they were like lukewarm. Um, they, a lot of them were quite narcissistic, um, and and uh, not particularly good for my kids. And it it was it was rough. I mean, <laughs> like dating that all those different people is, is rough. But I, it was like the same lesson over and over and over again. And uh, I I think when I finally was like okay. Like I'm not choosing very well, you know. And, and something that I actually heard in a Lewis house podcast, there was a girl on, and she was talking about her experiences where she would attract or start dating these guys, where she would feel this intense, crazy sexual attraction to someone, and, and that's what I was looking for. I wanted this strong sexual attraction, right? Mm-hmm. To be a, um because I, I lacked that in my first marriage. It was it was very lacking, and um, so that was kind of at the forefront for me. I need attraction. And in this podcast, she talked about how she had a lot of things in her past, a lot of abuse, things that made it so that she was attracted to people who were abusive. And so she would get really infatuated, really like fiery passion, excited about these guys. And then it would be really hot, really fast. And then she would realize they were jerks and it would end. But it was like she started recognizing that when she felt that intensity, that this I can't get my hands off of him, I can't get my mind off of him, just so infatuated crazy about a person, that it was a red flag for her that this is not the guy for you. And she started recognizing that her tendency, this trigger that whatever was attracting her to these kind of guys with that kind of intensity was not a good thing. And it was when she finally looked for someone who was kind, who gave her A sense of just peace and once she found peace she knew that was that was the one and and I took that to heart because I felt like that was what was happening to me I kept being you know just voraciously um, into these guys that I knew weren't probably the best but I thought well maybe you know I'll give it a try when if it's a maybe, I'll give it a try. It's probably not a good thing. <laughs> You're wasting your time. <laughs> but unless, you know, there's still something. I, but I was like, when am I going to learn this lesson? And I finally, after the you know the last time before I met my husband, it was probably the, the guy before I met my husband. He wasn't bad. He was he was a step up, but still just not it. He was he was, very, he was still selfish and um, ultimately not willing to make the kind of same kind of sacrifices I was willing to make to be with him and so forth. And that's when I finally, and I had a friend who kind of beat me a little bit over the head. Like, what are you doing, Jen? <laughs> just come on. And I finally realized like, okay, you know, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm just going to date and I'm going to try to date nice people. Nice people. And I, and I literally was like, okay, like, and I knew this all along, but I was finally ready to let it go. Let go of that. I want these things on my list. Um, and to trust the Lord and say, I know, you know, who's good for me. Please help me to find someone who is kind, who will treat me and my kids with love and respect, who will be loyal, with a ton of faith—you know, with a crazy amount of faith—equally yoked kind of things in our, in our ability to follow the follow the Lord. And help me to recognize Him when I show when He shows up. And you know, regardless of any of the things that I'm I'm wanting, help me to let all of that go, and just trust. And I I dated several really nice guys. And then I dated someone. The only one I was attracted to. I was like, I went on like eight dates and spent about two weeks with this in mind. And the only one I was attracted to was the guy, like, he is a jerk and I know it. I like this is not <laughs> a good guy for me. And he wanted to date me. And I it was I finally said, no, I'm not. Dating you and here's why. Like this is what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll find someone else get through, but path you need, but I'm here and this is what I want, and this is not what you can give me right now. And uh it was after I said no to him that my husband showed up, and and it was interesting because I, I did, I felt that peace. There was a, a, a low level of attraction, it wasn't insane. And I, it took me a while to kind of like I was like, this is a good person, like he's 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 kind. He had all those attributes, and I was like, okay, like I need to I need to explore this. I need to give this a chance. And he was, and it didn't take me that long. About two weeks. Uh, well, he he was visiting from Idaho. He decided to stay in Dayton, and for me that was that was huge because no one had ever been willing to make that kind of sacrifice. It was always like, no, I could see that they could make a sacrifice. They would they weren't willing to do it, and. And he was willing to just come down here and date me, <laughs> like move down here. And I thought we were going to do the long distance thing. He stayed. And about a month, uh, about a month in, he, he could tell I was still kind of like, not sure. You know, I was, I was, I was gun shy. You know, I've been hurt a lot. And he asked me if I'd go to the temple and pray about it. He said, I'm sure I know that I want to marry you. Um, we both talked about dating a year that went out the window. <laughs> it was like, why don't we do that right <laughs> <now?"> <laughs> and, but the problem was I'd gotten married twice before, barely, fairly quickly, you know, within you know, a month, three months. Like, so this was a pattern for me that I didn't want to repeat. And I knew my family was gonna be mortified if I married someone this quickly again. And um, but I went to the temple and while I was there, I realized just that. It, it would you're like this it doesn't get better than this like he's he's perfect for you this is the man that you're supposed to be with no one has ever made these kind of sacrifices for you and the the biggest thing that i realized was that i don't have to perform for him yeah. like every other relationship i'd had the same the, the, the same guy different face I felt like I had to sell myself to them. I felt like I had to be like, look at me, I'm pretty. Oh, look I did my hair. Do you like me? Do you still like me this week? Do you like me today? Do you like me tomorrow? Are you going to like me in 10 years? Uh, what do I have to do to be attractive to you? Or are you going to leave? And it it just felt like I had to like seduce them all the time or like convince them that they wanted to be with me. Like, come on, you want to be with me because of this or that. Look how talented and with him, it was just it was surety. Like I knew this man is like he loves me unconditionally. I don't have to prove anything to him. It just is. And he's never gonna leave me. Like I just knew it. And the peace that came with that. And and I I came home after the temple. And it was it was the coolest, craziest thing. Like he was a he's an attractive guy. But like I, I was kind of holding back, right? And all of a sudden he was the most, the hottest. Most beautiful, most attractive man I had ever met in my entire life, and and it, and it, it, it nothing had changed except just that knowing and understanding that that the beauty that of what I was beholding was like because we're all going to get old and ugly and gray, like none of that really matters. And when but it took me a while to realize that he was perfect, and and our I mean I'm just going to say it, our love life is amazing were very compatible, like all those, you know, fears that I'd had that were holding me back, you know, I don't know, you know, am I attracted enough to him? Like, totally irrelevant. Like, the Lord knew what I needed, and the perfect man for me. And he's, he's, he's the the other big thing was that first the unconditional love, and the faith. And the other thing was, I've, I lost it for a second. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it is, is, is uh, the fact that he is so forgiving, like finding someone who can forgive you and who will accept your forgiveness, like when you make a mistake, and because I'm a very forgiving person, yeah. but I've been with other guys who are not so forgiving, so if I said something that offended them, or that they would just get very angry, and and I was, I was toast forever, or it would be held over my head forever, and in a relationship, I don't, I can't think of anything more important because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to piss each other off. You're going to do things that hurt them. It's just the way it goes. You're you're in a very vulnerable relationship and you have to be able to forgive and do it as quickly as you can and move on <laughs> where it, it's not always the easiest thing to do. And I think it, it, it's really the number one thing in any relationship, in my opinion, is finding someone who can forgive, who's kind.
0: And Jennifer, you're you're sharing so much that I think is super important, and I want to touch on a few things. Number one, you know, having seen pictures of your husband, he he is he's a good he's a good looking dude, and I find it really interesting. And the thought that occurred to me as you were talking about that is, it's almost like. I don't know. Not that something looks too good. It's just like, we try to pretend that it's like, no, that's not it. Like that's, that's an ugly matter, you know, so, <laughs> something like that. And of how, you know, and I love the part actually that you talked about how, you know, you guys have an, a, an incredible love life. Cause that, that is important to so many people.
1: Like, yeah. But I, it, it wasn't my focus anymore. Like as soon as I stopped making it my focus, yeah. I got it anyway. Like, and it's better than anything I've ever had. I've been married three times. Now. <laughs> and I can say that like, when I, some of the guys that I wasn't sexually, you know, doing anything with, cause I only, I only had sex with my husbands, but the, some of, of the people that I was attracted to that I would kiss and so forth, I had, I felt like I had a better connection than I did to the people I was married with. and And I was wanting that in my marriages. I I thought I'd achieve. I found that in my second, and then and then that one just it it dissolved very quickly. It was it was a strange one, but um, that it's kind of like the Abraham thing. I I go back to that a lot. Where Abraham had a son, he loved so much more than anything in the entire world. Right, that was just the number one to him, other than God. And that's the point: is that he was willing to give up the one thing that was the most important to him in this world. You know, was willing to do it, prepared to do it, was going through with it. And then he didn't even have to lose it. Not only because of his willingness, not only did he not have to lose what he wanted anyway, he got even more. And, you know, everything, but everything. <laughs> like, and it was, he, all he had to do was be willing to give it up. And and I think when you're willing to give up those things you think are important, you'll you'll have that and everything else too. And it's not that our marriage is perfect, but it's, it's pretty dang good. Like I, I feel like we, we just, we have what oh, any anybody would want to dream for. And it took me what, 35 years to, to find it. I mean, that's a long time for, you know, a lot of people in the church. And I, mess, and I I had two failed marriages before. So it's just one of those things. If If you feel like giving up, don't. You know, it's just, there's certain things that you you're, haven't learned yet, but you've got the whole, your whole life to do it. And obviously the, the faster, the easier, but giving up is not an option for me and it shouldn't be an option for anybody.
0: Well, and there's a couple things that you said there of, well, that you had said before that I thought about, like the. I love I love the movie Groundhog Day and I yes. think it's so real for all of us like I wrote I wrote an article on Groundhog Day how that is that is all of our lives. We're all going through the same challenges, the same problems and we're just not willing to do what that you know what God or what our inner voice says.
1: there's a lot, lot of us. excuses I, I nobody I don't know anyone who likes them excuses. But we all make them, or we wouldn't be here. But to some more than others, to an extent. But if if you're blaming anything on your situation, it's holding you back. You've got to get rid of excuses and start coming up with solutions, or, or asking the Lord rather for to help you with those solutions. Because,
0: and it's funny you say the word solutions, because most of your quote unquote solutions, you did nothing with. All you did. As you took one step that God said to take, took another step that God said to take, took another step that God said to take, like I, I think that's all there is to it. Is yeah,
1: releasing it? control and trusting Sur- yes. The Lord. Yes, surrendering. Pretty much your solution, <laughs> surrendering.
0: Like the more I and I knew,
1: and th- I ahead. knew it. Like the whole time I was dating, I was like, I know I haven't gotten there yet. Like I'm not willing to to release that control because I was scared. You know, my first two marriages, I thought I I thought these were men I was supposed to marry and I thought I was following the Lord. And and maybe these were things I was supposed to learn, but I was scared that maybe he was going to choose another bad one for me when I'd chosen the first two. I mean, I did. did.
0: Well, did you get like I know there's listeners of all faiths, but I'm just curious. Did you get that super peaceful feeling that's available to everybody, regardless of regardless of faith, religion, or any anything. Did you get that super peaceful feeling about your two previous husbands that they were right for you? Uh,
1: I got confirmation that I was where I needed to be at that time, and and then my second, my first husband, I really think I needed to be married to him. To okay. learn what I needed to learn. I mean, it's it's it, you know, and that that's why I was married so long. You know, I thought, well, I mean, I was told uh, to marry this guy. I, I can't understand. But sometimes people make choices that takes them a different direction, and you can't you can't follow them there. Right. My second husband, I I felt confirmation, but then things changed, and I felt I I felt like something had changed. Something, you know, that maybe maybe it wasn't right. But I thought, no, no, I need to stick with my first answer. And what I learned from that is that sometimes you need to ask again. (laughs) Sometimes people change. change. And if I, if I had known then what I know now, I I wouldn't have married him because I knew, but, but I, I was, you know, my mom had an experience where she felt confirmation to marry my dad. And then um shortly after that she was scared and she had all these instincts like doubts and things and and then she realized that that was just Satan so I kind of took that experience and applied it to myself when it was a little different because my dad hadn't changed he was still you know loving and kind and whereas the person I was I, you know and ended up marrying in my second marriage he was he was making different choices like I could tell I could feel it and I think that was the difference was his agency was taking him this way when I just thought, no, no, I I got, I was told it was, you know, the right guy, but maybe it was just the right guy that I need to be dating at that time. And I really didn't need to be marrying him. (laughs) So, you know, Lincoln and Lauren, it was a hard lesson for sure. But.
0: And with that second guy, was it, was it one of those guys that you talked about before of it was the same guy with a different face? Was it one of those like super attractive dudes that you're like.
1: Oh, super attractive. Yeah. He was like a Ken Barbie doll. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that you kind of like really, really wanted to have. And I think sometimes we kind of like force our answer on God. It's like, this is right, right? Yeah. And yeah. we get nothing and we're like, oh, I think I felt, I I felt a morsel of something. That well, means, yes, I'm going him, for it.
1: <laughs> with him, he was kind of gravitating towards the church. He was, he, he was mm-hmm. kind of accepting some of that light. And then there came a point where he stopped. And I think if he'd kept going that direction you know, towards the gospel that things could have been good, but I felt it when he stopped and, uh, I wanted him anyway. You know, I didn't, I didn't listen.
0: Well, and and I love what you said there. Like I felt, I I felt essentially a stop. Like there was, there was that stop. And like, I had that, you know, one time when I was and I lack of progression or
1: like going the other way where, and I was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll pull you. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to pull anybody, but at the time, you know, I was, I wanted him so badly that I was like, oh, I'll do what it takes. I'll work. I'll do this, you know, and uh, ultimately he just, I, I didn't have that choice. I would have done it, um, but he just, he took off. <laughs> you know, He, he left us <laughs> shortly after we got married. So he, and it was a lot of, it was the gospel um, or the, what we know, the belief system that I was raised with was the my, my belief system that he didn't want anymore and he just was like yeah sorry see ya I don't I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to be married and and that was a tough tough thing to go through and then questioning myself and my worth and and going through quite a dark time about three months of very very sad and wondering what I did wrong and um, questioning my path and and my intuition and being afraid to listen for quite some time, you know, because uh, like, what if I'm wrong again? You know, so embarrassing, so embarrassing. I'm going to be divorced twice. <laughs> <laughs> like who, who grows up and thinks I'm going to be divorced twice someday mm. or three times or eight or whatever, but nobody.
0: Well, isn't it funny? Cause from what I heard you saying is, God told you to stop and then, and you went forward and then you come back and you're like, I still have to question my intuition. It's like, no, God told you to stop. It's like, yeah, you know, and, and, but, but we do that. And I, and I know quite a few people that I've talked to, they really do get in that place. They begin to question, they begin to question their faith in God. They begin to question their faith in their ability to make decisions. What, what would you say to people that have been divorced twice? Cause I, I can't say anything about being divorced. Cause I've never even been married once. I mean, <laughs> the closest I got was being engaged. And then God gave me a very strong substance. One of the strongest I've ever gotten in my life is like, mm-hmm. no, do not pass. This is <laughs> not, this is not the direction for you. Mm-hmm. But what, what would you tell people that have been divorced twice? that are like, I just, I, I don't think, I don't think God cares. I don't, I don't think there's anyone else out there for me. I don't want to go through that pain again. What would you, what would you say to those people?
1: Well, first of all, pain is an opportunity. It's, it's it, uh, one of the greatest opportunities for growth. There is, you can either become better or bitter. And I don't know, it's, it's, I mean, it's extremely painful, of course, to have any relationship end, whether even whether you're married or, or single. Um, but we're here to experience things. And I guess that's how I've always looked at as if I'm, I'm here to learn stuff and go. And if I just hide in a box and like, I don't want to get hurt again. I mean, what kind of life is that? I, I, I'm i not willing. I I want to, do, to love and, and there's no shame, none at all in loving somebody else, even if they don't love you back. That's something to be proud of. The fact that you can love someone you know, un- unhindered, and it's non conditional. And if they don't love you back, you know, that, that's, that's fine. It's cool. You know, they left. Oh, well, you know, you did your you did your part, you loved. And you did the best you could in any given moment, even if your best at that time sucked. And I can tell you my first marriage, I yeah, I was a mess. I, I was not a healthy person. But that was the best I could do at that time. And being willing to forgive yourself and look back at that past person of yourself and go, you know, I love you. I love you past version of me, you know, like 16-year-old version of me. I love you. And you look at the situation and go, oh, like, you didn't handle that very well, did you? But it's okay. <laughs> you know, because of you, I've gotten to this point, And this point is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And there's that opportunity now for me to grow and find other someone else. I mean, once that person is gone, it opens up the opportunity for the right person. And, and it's not about just the right person, it's about being the right you. Like if you keep going through the same thing over and over again, you have to be real with, the, with the, the very stark reality that this is your problem. It is not their fault. There is something inside of you that is doing this and you need to figure out what it is or it's not gonna change. Whether that's a habit, whether that's a belief system about yourself, whether that's a belief about other people, how the world revolves something you need to let go of, or you will keep finding that same man or that same woman. And um, it really is about your personal agency, your personal truth, your personal choice. And as soon as you stop blaming everything outside of you for your own problems and start looking here, things can start changing. But it's gotta be, it's gotta be you. You can't get stuck in places where you're like, well, he did this and he did that. And I went through this as a child. I was sexually molested. So I have all these problems. Like Get over it. Like, yes, it happened. But if you keep living in the past and you you're going to get you're going to be stuck there. You have to look towards the future. See that person you want to be married with kids, happy, whatever, whatever it is, you know, successful, beautiful, great posture, you know, like just. Whatever it is, like, like, you know, trim and whatever, whatever it is for you that you want to see in your future, you can keep living in the past and keep manifesting that past over and over and over again, or you can start seeing yourself the way you want and start creating that. We're creators, we're, you know, children of God, we're made to create things. And I think that there there are forces and energies in this world that want to keep us stuck. That want us to blame that want us to, it'll just keep us stuck. We have all the potential and the power in the world to change things and to manifest what we want. But we've got to figure out what's stopping us first.
0: And and I just want to add, because I know some people aren't going to agree with what you said, but I just want to double down on what you said as far as our past. Is it right that people have been sexually molested? Is it right that they've been raped? Is it right that horrible things have happened to them? No. No. But that event is no longer happening to them. It's just the memory and the thinking around that event that they're some terrible person, or that it diminished their worth. I, I can step on a dollar bill. I can smash it. Like I can do, I, I can do almost anything to it, and it's still worth a dollar. But people don't see that, and they think of themselves as used and broken, and, and all these other things. Whereas they're not. Like just and and but
1: yeah. what's that? You said something to me one time that I was just like, yes, about how like you're watching the same, like you hate this movie, right? Why are you watching this movie over and over and over again? You don't do that with movies. If you hate a movie, you stop watching it and you watch it once and say, oh, I didn't like that movie. But how many of us, when we relive past over and over and over watching the same movie over and over and over again, instead of reconciling it, saying, mm, pause, okay, like. How can I forgive this person? How can I forgive myself and let this thing go and not watch it again?
0: That's pretty useful advice. Like, how can I, how can I forgive myself? How can I forgive this person? And how can I not watch this movie anymore? Well, and I think especially some of the traumatic experiences, like when I went through that, I'm not going to get the details, but the gist of it was, like, I just like I was fearful about around being around these places anytime that I like that had to do with this experience. Like, and, and so like we do have thinking arise when we're around those things that we're, when we're in those places, you know, or maybe if, you know, depending on the location that something horrible happened to somebody, they might have that. But if they understand in that moment, that it is simply, I call it the crazy leprechaun voice. Just trying to play, trying to mess with them. It's trying, to, it's trying to mess with them, and it's trying to remind them of all the things. Actually, recently, I had this experience where I was sitting, I was playing guitar, and I thought about something that had happened at ice hockey. Some guy had like tried to slash my hand with his hockey stick, and it did not make me <laughs> yeah. happy. It was, this was like five hours later that I was sitting there. I was, I was actively playing the guitar. And I have this thinking pop up like, hey, what about this? And the way I honestly look at it is you, know, I look at that crazy leprechaun voice really as the adversary, the same way I believe in God, the same way I believe in a Satan. There's a higher power. There's a lower power. Look at every single movie known to man. There's almost – especially Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Harry Potter, et cetera. There's usually a higher power and a lower power. That's what I believe in. And and the adversary messes with us, and he tries to mess with us. And what I really see it as is like, oh, well, there's that thought that I, I should have done something differently about that situation. Okay, cool. Like, well, what is it in this moment that I'm creating? What is it in this moment that I'm doing that Satan's trying to distract me from? Because that's all it is. He's just trying to distract us. And yeah. if we Go ahead.
1: Um, my my son, like when he does uh, when he does poorly in a soccer game, like he makes a mistake. For example, when he gets home, I always remind him to like tonight before you go to bed, think about those incidents where you didn't do something right, right? And you're frustrated about it. I want you to imagine yourself doing something differently. Like the same thing, just you know, the ball's coming, and what are you going to do now? And you're going to do it perfectly. And you're going to do it perfectly. And you're going to do it perfectly. And you, if you can reframe, if you can go back and be like, that didn't go very well. So I'll go back to an incident where maybe I didn't, I didn't handle something very, very nicely or very well. And, and I'll, in my mind, I'll go back. I'll try to fix it in real life too. I'll apologize to the person or whatever, but in my mind, I'll go back and I will actually play it out again. But this time I handle it differently and I do something different. I say something differently. I, I don't react the way I did. And, and that's my way of being okay. Like, I'm, I'm learning from this experience. If this happens again, this is how I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to say. And I think that's a part of repentance is like, almost like going back in your mind and being like, this is how I'm knowing, knowing what I know now. This is how I would do it differently. I can't go back, but I can, I can say in the future, this is me starting now. This is, this is how I handle situations like this.
0: Well, and, and I just have to say for those people listening, Jennifer, Jennifer uh, Sterling's kid, Sterling Campbell's kids are incredibly dedicated. One of her sons has a cover on YouTube that has an insane amount of views of a Frozen song, And uh, like they're incredibly dedicated. They're incredibly disciplined. And they're all doing things they really enjoy doing. And, and I think there's something to be said for that, like about – I know there's, you know, plenty of single parents out there, and and you were a single parent for quite a while. How in the world did you have the ability to help your kids stay disciplined? like but not without being like but without being the evil mom, because, like you just don't really have that in you. but your kids still do what they're supposed to do most days, and they're incredibly successful because of it. Can you speak to like the single parents of how, like, of how you manage that to so like work, do your kids, and all that stuff.
1: Well, when they were really little, it was it was a lot harder. Um, I I had my kids doing you know music or, or whatnot, something that they would have to do on a daily basis because I feel like it's it's unfortunate, but most kids on this planet don't grow up on a farm, or at least in this in this country, don't grow up on farms. If you grow up on a farm, you got the work ethic. You've got you know just goals. You have to get up. You have to do the work. Um, city boys harder so my goal in providing them with just something they can call theirs that could kind of take them through those teen years that they can hold on to even though that's not their identity it definitely helps when you have something other than alcohol to go to you know or, or drugs or whatever if you thought I'm a tennis player or I, I, play, I do music and so when from the time they were very young and like four or five years old they were doing something of their choice and they would practice that 30 minutes a day and they did not play until that was done. And sometimes it would be me sitting there with them prying and making them do it and <laughs> throwing a fit and it lasting three hours because I couldn't get them to, to do, to, to, to sit down and do it. And, but they learned after, you know, it's just the discipline they they're choosing what they want to do, but they will do it for 30 minutes every day regardless. And now that they're older, they know when mom says, okay, you got to practice. Okay. And then we'll do it. And they read their scriptures before bed. I've, I've read to scriptures to them since they were a month old, you know, it was, they'd never known a day without it. And I, one of my biggest goals is just, I feel like the Lord will give you what you want. He will provide the way all the way through my very difficult tenure marriage. We struggled financially big time. I should like, by all standards, I should have gotten out and gotten a job. Um, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and raise my kids. I didn't want someone else doing that job. So we, I don't know how, we always made it. We were in terrible debt during a time, like thousands, like tens of thousands of dollars in debt. I found a way to do it. I got my job. I worked from home and, and we made it through, but it was because I had decided already, I am going to be a stay-at-home mom. Single, you know, married, whatever. This, they are my priority. No one else is going to do that job but me. And the Lord provided the ways for that to make that happen. And, and I'm really grateful for it. I, and I just, I feel like, and I don't, everybody's situation is different and everybody's path is different. Maybe the Lord may tell someone else, you need to get a job. For me, it was the Lord respected my wishes and honored that and provided ways for me. And I, I think that if you can do it find a way to be there for your kids. I, I worked after I was divorced and it, when it was halftime, I worked on the day they weren't home and I, I found ways around it and just to, to make it work. And um, I think it's pay, it's definitely worth it, the sacrifice. And I, I had a lot of help, a lot of people that came forward and said, I'll let you live in this basement apartment for what you can afford. Um, an employer would pay me, you know, so much money to do, to work that, you know, I mean, more than, more than probably a lot of people would offer to pay me, but it was what I needed to make it through. And it was just the right people came at the right time and um, provided that way. If you want it, the solutions will come. And that goes for anything.
0: I mean, there's so much that you're saying that is just awesome. I, I love our, I love our conversations. I like the, the things that I want to pick up on and that. Number one, you let your kids choose what they want to do. That is super cool. Like so many, you know, so many parents are like, "No, my kid will do this." I was, you know, I was a high school football player, so my kid will play football. And it's like, no, well, and it's the
1: the other thing, thing is too is it. There was no incentive to quit because if they were like, "I don't want to play cello anymore," it was like, "Well, that's fine, but you got to do thirty minutes of something else." <laughs> you know, there there was no that's relief. Cool. They were going to have to do something for 30 minutes a day. And and now it's an hour because they're half time with me, half with dad. They don't practice at dad's house. They only practice here. So when they're here, it's an an hour.
0: Well, and how cool is that that you're able to say like, okay, well, I know you guys aren't doing anything at your dad's house. And I I, I know your children's dad, so no disrespect there. But like, you know, you've taken control of your house. I mean, because you can't like when you're when you're dealing with kids going to different houses, you have zero control. And I know there's quite a few single moms or even even moms that are in that are married that kind of struggle with that of just allowing it. Hey, whatever happens, it, it's almost like for, forgive the reference, but it's almost like whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because you can't do anything about it. I yeah, mean, there's crazy laws, there's crazy everything. You that,
1: let it go, the better. <laughs> the happier you'll be you can pray like crazy and that's what i do when when they're their dads because that's all i can do and and um that's all you know you've got to put put that control again in the lord's hands that
0: did you he, did you he ever loves them he knows though them. did you ever yeah do there was a time when when when, you were always worried about it and like always oh, oh yeah
1: like why I, is I this was happening like, you, at your house you need to practice at your dad's house and you know and and why isn't he letting you practice <laughs> <laughs> or you know the whatever it was, or, or lots of different things. So I was like, oh, frustrated. And when I finally was like, well, you know, we're we're two different people. Um, we're divorced. That's just the reality. And then you just you do you when they're with you, and you let dad do him when they're with him. And you don't you don't complain, and you certainly don't put dad down, and you support and you uphold their their dad. And you, you this is the way we do it here, and that's cool, right? You know, but. I respect that that's different than dad's house. Well, that's okay. We just don't do that here. And that goes for behavior. You know, I, I it's hard. It's been hard. One of my sons gets away with a lot at his dad's house, the way he treats his older brother. It's pretty, it's not very nice. <laughs> so he comes here and he tries to treat his brother that way. And we're like, mm-mm, right? not here. Sorry. So it's not, that's not how we treat each other here.
0: I mean, my 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 mind is kind of blown just because this. For for so many people listening, I bet this is a very foreign concept. And and seeing honestly how, like, like, just seeing how you really mean it. And if you guys are watching this podcast, feel free to go watch the YouTube version, and you guys can see how much she really means what she's talking about. Like, there is no. This isn't a fake conversation. Like, you're you really know you really do believe that what happens at your house happens at your house, and what happens at their dad's house happens at their dad's house. And the reason I'm emphasizing that is so many people believe that's like a pipe dream, and they also won't allow it to happen. They're like, no, I have to worry about everything that's happening at this other house.
1: Worrying does it, nothing. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. helpful. It just makes you stressed out. I mean, when when I start to get worried, I pray. You know, that's it. That's it. Just pray and turn it over. And and I, you know, they they really are very blessed. They they're in a good household. Um, it's just different, you know, different than my house. And and you, it's a, it's okay. You know, they're they're seeing, they're learning two different styles. They're 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 observing. And and they're, you know, if you allow kids to love each parent and respect each parent in the way they do things, they're gonna they're gonna be fine. Like the worst thing you can do is. Um, put down the other parent because kids, especially their identity and their worth is so connected to the other parent. If you convince your kid that your, their dad is a piece of trash, they're going to say, oh, well, I'm his kid. I must be trash too. Like there's, there's no way around that. So you have to uphold the other parent for the sake of, if you love your child, you love their dad and you uphold their dad and you, you could, you tell that child, their dad is amazing you and you know what you doesn't mean you have to sugarcoat it like if if you know the other parent is like doing things that are not nice or not appropriate you say oh man that was rough I'm I'm sorry that happened like I I wish I wish he hadn't done that or that wasn't okay but but you know we still love your dad and respect him like he's not perfect and not being perfect is okay we just try again
0: Yeah, because none of us are perfect. And I mean, and and letting their dad be human and also letting them be human. And I I mean, and the fact they can treat each other one way, like even the brothers treating them, each other one way at one house and one way at the other house is just kind of funny. Like that's just kind of, (laughs) and I think it's awesome. I mean, I think it's really awesome and amazing that you have that Ability and you have that experience to just be with them, you know. Like I just, I mean, I think that and, is, and agreeing
1: to disagree. You know. Like it's okay if you don't agree with the other parent. and Be like, I don't agree with that, but you know, he's allowed to, to have his opinion. I'm allowed to have my opinion. <laughs> you know, you don't. Have to do <laughs> oh, yes. yes, everything he says is fine. there's a, it, But you you relay it as an opinion. You know, I have a different opinion you know yeah. and you have a different opinion we're all allowed opinions that's what's wonderful about living in a country with free speech
0: <laughs> so well, exactly well jennifer we're we're starting to wrap up here but i just wanted to give you a few moments to share like whatever message comes to you you know about helping single people find hope and happiness you know, during during this journey of being single when many of them really, 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 really want to be married and they really really want to have you know all of these other experiences that you do when you're married.
1: Learn to be happy with yourself first. If you can't if you can do that, you'll be happy in a marriage. But um if you're looking for happiness in a marriage, you're you're never gonna be happy. Like you might for a little bit and then it'll dissipate and you'll be right back where you were before. You you've got to be okay by yourself not just okay but like really really good really really just in a place where um if you were single the rest of your life you'd you'd be okay like you're just accepting and seeing how just playing it out moving forward with with the knowledge that of course I'm going to be married you know the time the timing will come it's going to be fine but you don't worry about it you just work on yourself because if you're working on yourself you're basically working on your future husband too because you're going to attract who you are right now so if you're the better you are the your help meet will will be equal to that or at least along those lines like who you are attracting right now says a lot about you and that's not to be a slap in the face I attracted a lot of different kinds of guys um you know the same guy different face but you know a lot of different kinds of issues we all have them but I had to ask with each time, like, okay, what does this say about me? What is, What is this? Because I chose this. And the, the state that you're in right now, you you created, you chose. That's okay. So create something you want. Move forward with that knowing in mind. Not just hope, but know it. Decide. I'm going to ha- be happy. And, and that was the probably the biggest turning point for me. This one last thing was my, my life coach was trying to help me through the last year of my marriage. I was, I was, wasn't sure if I was going to get a divorce, but I, I was at that point and just devastated about my situation. Cause it didn't seem like there was any good way out, you know, divorce, cruddy, stay in my marriage, cruddy, It was just all bad. And just, I was in such despair. And she told me, Jennifer, you have to decide right now that you're going to be happy. This, this is the truth, okay? That you are going to be happy. You need to hold on to that. Either you're going to be happy in your marriage. You're not going to be like suffering through a marriage, okay? If, if you stay in your marriage, it's going to be a happy one. And if you leave, you're going to be happy single. And you have to believe that right now, like because that's the truth. Yeah. And I thought about it for a minute and I, was, and I realized she's right. And I was like, I can, I can hang on to that. I can hold on to that. And that alone is what got me through the rest of that year. Just that holding on to that truth that I will be happy, even though I'm not happy right now. And it honestly didn't take very long. Once I, once I was able to see it, feel it, just kind of embrace that with that little bit of hope and started moving in that direction with that hope in mind that it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And it was, and I was able to achieve like being happy in and of myself in a miserable situation. And it was only then that I was able to feel right about making that decision. If you make the decision before you're at that point, you're doing yourself a disservice. You will go out and attract the exact same thing. So if you're at the point where you're you're married or thinking about getting divorced or you've just gotten divorced, but you never quite got to that point of being happy, (laughs) you better work on yourself. Before you even think about going out and finding someone else, because um, you know, it's it's going to be a lot easier to grow and develop and bring the right person if you're in the right place. Yeah,
0: that that is just beautiful. I mean, it, yeah, it is. It's it's all about accepting yourself and getting to getting yourself to the place that you really want to be and. You know, the fact of attracting, absolutely. I mean, the more ha- the happier we are, like genuinely happy. Nobody likes fake happy. Everybody can see through that. <laughs> but I mean, even when you and I first met a couple of years ago, like there was, it was a, we, we connected further quickly because I think we're both happy people. And, uh,
1: and releasing like, that need, like I need this to be happy. I need, like, you don't need anything. Yeah. You don't need anything to be happy. You could be in the worst situation. And still have that peace and that that knowing and that that just yeah. okay. And if you read books like *The Hiding Place*, where you know some of the really really horrible situations the Jews were in, and *The Hiding Place* is a great example of that, where, where she has this just inner joy. And oh, she's in put in terrible situations and, and terrible loss, and yet she she still has that that inner peace that they can't take away. And nobody can take that from yeah. you if if you don't need anything to be happy, what can they take? <laughs> they can't make you, they can't take your happiness.
0: They, they can't. And I mean, that's really what I've found too, is just, I mean, I'm happy. I'm mean, i single, but I'm happier now than I've been in a long, long time. And I just keep getting happier and happier. The more engaged I get with the things I feel that God wants me to do. And you know, then I just have a lot of really cool experiences. Well, it, it, any final thoughts before we we, we wrap up here?
1: And not I really enjoyed talking to you, and thank you for the opportunity. I I nothing that comes to my head at the moment. Just I'm. I'm well, really t- good. tell people
0: it. if people want to contact you, tell tell them how they can contact you.
1: I uh, could go to my website at i'maquarius.com. Not I am, okay. but but like I am, like I'maquarius.com you uh, can contact at at iadamaquires.com and right now i've been doing some blog posts it's kind of taken a standstill for a bit because i'm trying to develop a program um a year-long program and that's taken some time but for for um anyone struggling with mental disorder but i I, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different facets i want to grow on the on my blog just with relationships and so forth because it it all inter you know they're, they're all interconnected like wellness and all of the areas of your life, it helps. <laughs> so for,
0: for sure. And like, are, are, do you want to, are you on Instagram or anything like that that you want to share?
1: I'm, I'm Aquarius Jen on Instagram. Uh <sighs> I'm Aquarius Jen on Facebook, I believe. And I think, I think I was able to get, I'm Aquarius on Twitter. <laughs> but
0: I love it. That, that, sounds, yeah. that sounds really cool. So if you guys want to connect more with Jennifer, she is amazing. Um, you guys can ch- check her out on her, w- her website or at any of the other places she has described. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here. Really appreciate it. And then just want to say say to our, our uh, audience, go out and live your adventure. Thank you.